Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang. As part of our Smithsonian Associates author interview series, today's guest is Admiral William McRaven. Admiral McRaven will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates June 7th, 2021, and the title of his presentation is The Hero Code. It's been 10 years since Admiral McRaven launched the successful Operation Neptune Spear, the May 2011 raid against Osama bin Laden. And to commemorate the 10th anniversary of Operation Neptune Spear, we're talking today with Admiral William McRaven. In December 2011, McRaven was runner-up for time Person of the Year for his role in Operation Neptune Spear. To us, he's a hero, but as a young boy growing up in Texas, Bill McRaven only dreamed of being a superhero. McRaven longed to put on a cape and use his superpowers to save the Earth from destruction. But as he grew older and traveled the world, he found real heroes everywhere he went, and none of them had superpowers, much less capes or cowls. But each possessed qualities that gave them the power to help others, to make a difference, to save the world. Courage, both physical and moral, humility, a willing to sacrifice, and a deep sense of integrity. Turns out the hero code is not a cipher, a puzzle, or a secret message. It's a code of conduct, lessons in virtues that can become the foundations of our character as we build a life worthy of honor, respect, and duty. Okay, this is uh, on the chapter called Duty. It says the idea of duty is a simple one. We all have a job to do in life. Whether that job is serving customers in a restaurant, taking care of our family, teaching our children, policing our cities, caring for the ill and infirm, protecting our gate, following the military code of conduct, or leading the country. We must do our job to the best of our ability. We must do our job well, not because it serves our interests, but because it serves the interests of others. We do not live in this world alone. Duty is a recognition that you have a responsibility to your fellow man and woman. It is an unselfish act, whether great or small, that contributes to the welfare of humanity. That is what makes it so powerful. If you want to be a hero, it's easy. Just do your duty. That, of course, is our guest today, Admiral William McRaven, reading from his new book, The Hero Code. Join me and Admiral McRaven as we talk about what it means to be a hero, the duty, the perseverance, lessons learned from the raid on bin Laden, Admiral McRaven's recollection of the moment when the ground force commander called out for God and country, Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo. And of course, Geronimo was the code word for bin Laden. That's about as exciting as it gets, right? Jackpot. Given Admiral McRaven's record of service and duty to his country as leader of the United States Special Operations Command, Admiral McRaven is a true hero. It's not a cliche to say it takes one to know one. Admiral McRaven knows the subject matter well. His new book, The Hero Code, Lessons Learned from Lives Well Lived, is excellent. And now please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show, Admiral William McRaven. Admiral William McRaven, welcome to the program, and thank you for your service, sir. Oh, thank you, Paul. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. We are talking just following the Memorial Day holiday, and I hope you and your family had an enjoyable, memorable holiday, and I hope all are healthy at home and vaccinated and doing well. 
Thank you. Everybody is doing great. Thanks. Good. Well, again, so great to talk with you. We're going to talk, of course, about your new book, The Hero Code, and we're going to talk about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Let's start there, though. I wonder if you'd tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Maybe, since we're all on Zoom these days, maybe tell us a little (laughs) bit about how you're going to be using Zoom to engage our audience. Well, the great thing about the Smithsonian event is uh, Walter Isaacson is going Mm -hmm. to be interviewing me. And so uh, if you if you want to see uh, a, a world class interviewer and somebody who is such uh, a remarkable author, uh, come and listen to Walter Isaacson and, and hopefully you'll find Bill McRaven of some interest, too. Uh, but uh, but, you know, what will happen is and I've known Walter for a long time. So he he not only does his homework when it comes to the book uh, and the research on the background, but we are friends and he will engage in a manner that I'm, I'm sure the audience will enjoy. There'll be a lot of give and take. Uh, he knows uh, a lot of things that I think the, the general public does not know. And I have no doubt that Walter will be happy to dig into some of those uh, more interesting aspects of my life and of the book. So uh, I know it will be engaging uh, on on Zoom, and I'm, I'm sure your audience will enjoy it. I'm sure. I, and I enjoy Walter Isaacson, too, and his books. And uh, as an interviewer myself, he presents a master class and... and uh, uh, I would do well to pay attention to his style and his expertise <laughs> constantly. So I hope I hope I'm up to the task today too, Admiral. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Oh, thank you. Well, Admiral McRaven, we are about ten years out from the date of Operation Neptune Spear, and of course the commemoration of the successful May 2011 raid against Osama bin Laden. In my research for the interview, I've read that your response to President Obama when asked about your plan to raid bin Laden's compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. You answered the president by saying, Sir, our plan is to take a couple of helicopters and fly them from Afghanistan into Pakistan, land the force on the compound. We'll take down the compound, get bin Laden, and bring him back, or he'll be killed there on the spot. My gosh, was it just that simple? Well, the purpose of the planning was to try to make it that simple. Uh, now, we have a, a saying in the military that no plan survives first contact with the enemy. So you know that no matter what plan you build, uh, you're going to have to have plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D, which we did. But when we went into the planning process, uh, I made a point of ensuring that we tried to take out as much of the risk as possible and as much of the variables, as many of the variables as possible. So we had a number of other options. You know, We could have parachuted in. Uh, We could have come in by vehicle. Uh, We had a number of other uh, interesting approaches to it, but all of them, I thought, complicated the mission. So the idea was, hey, we will do what we do essentially every single night in Afghanistan and Iraq. We will get on helicopters. We will fly to the target. We'll surround the target. We will kind of take down the compound, which is something, again, we did routinely. We'll get the bad guy, uh, put him on a helicopter, and bring him home. So the idea was try not to do something that is out of the ordinary, uh, stick to the script, stick to the things that we have done thousands of times before, and that's going to improve your chance of success. Well, also, I read in my research that at one point before the mission, you thought it was about a 50-50 chance there for success that you would even do the mission. And once you got to Afghanistan prior to the raid, CIA Director Leon Panetta called and told you it was a go. And at that point, you thought, well, that's a bold move by President Obama. I wonder, did, did you have doubts at that point? Why did you think that was a bold decision? 
Well, I, I never had any doubt that uh, once our guys got on target, we could get whoever was on the target. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily a 50-50 chance of success in terms of the tactical part of it. It was, however, uh, only a 50-50 chance that bin Laden was there. So uh, the boldness of the decision, uh, in, in my mind, was the fact that the president of the United States had to make a decision based on imperfect intelligence and, and an incredible gutsy decision. So when we had, we had gone through all, all the analysis and, you know, there were certain members of CIA who felt that uh, it was absolutely bin Laden and probably an equal number of them that felt that it wasn't. So at the end of the day, uh, it was a, a little bit of a coin flip in terms of whether or not he was going to be there. So I talk about the boldness of the decision because the president was obviously weighing uh, the uncertainty of what would, what would happen to the, the SEALs and the, and the great uh, Army helicopter pilots once we got on target. Uh, would the Pakistanis engage us? How would all of that turn out? Uh, what happens if bin Laden is not there? And it turns out that the guy we're going after is just some tall Pakistani. Uh, well, this was going to be a, uh, a disaster of epic proportions. And of course, not to mention, and while we never spoke about it, I'm sure the president had to consider the fact that if he made took this gamble and, uh, and it wasn't bin Laden, then his political future was at risk. Um, so when you consider all of those things, the fact that we just didn't know whether or not it was bin Laden, I think it was an incredibly bold decision. And it will go down as one of the, I think, the boldest decisions in, uh, in modern presidency. Mm -hmm. Equally so, the Commander-in-Chief, President Obama, gave you a great deal of autonomy, as did Director Panetta, and didn't micromanage. And that speaks well of the leader, speaks well of you, speaks well of your team. Yeah, well, it, it particularly speaks well of, of President Obama and, uh, and Director Leon Panetta. And I appreciate it. Obviously, every military commander wants to be given that latitude. And it wasn't just the latitude to do the job. It was all the right decisions that I needed to do the job uh, correctly. So at one point in time, uh, I had been debating about, you know, what happens if the Pakistanis surround us and uh, what will we do? I knew we could win that fight, but it meant that uh, there could have been, you know, a lot of uh, unintended consequences. And the president made it clear to me, hey, be prepared to fight your way out if you have to. Uh, and it is exactly the kind of direction and guidance and support I needed. And then, uh, you know, again, neither he nor Director Panetta, to your point, uh, Paul, ever micromanaged the tactical aspects of it. Uh, that, that was going to be up to the ground force commander and, uh, and to me. And, and again, I, I would contend that is great leadership and that is what put us in a position to be successful. Speaking of the ground force commander, at one point, this is such an exciting line, so memorable and, and, and almost dramatic that the ground force commander called out very early into the raid for God and country, Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo. And of course, Geronimo was the code word for bin Laden. That's just about as exciting as it gets. You found Geronimo. Were you pleased, relieved, still on edge a bit? That was just jackpot there, right? Well, uh, yes and no. I, I can tell you there was no sense of uh, relief or enthusiasm uh, where I was because we still had guys on target. Uh, we knew that the Pakistanis were beginning to understand that something was happening in Abbottabad. They were uh, mustering a number of their fighter aircraft. And so now we were in a situation where Maybe we have him and maybe we don't, of course, because until you can really positively ID the body, you have to be careful about uh, making you know, proclamations uh, you know, of 100 percent. So my job was to ensure that the guys got back home safely with uh, the body that we thought at the time was bin Laden. Um, and so 
Uh, no, I mean, uh, there was not, again, a lot of high-fiving or any of that. Uh, we still had a job to do. So uh, I was not uh, personally relieved until after the helicopters had left Af- uh, Pakistan airspace and were back in Afghanistan. We are with Admiral William McRaven. Admiral William McRaven has written the new book, The Hero Code. Admiral McRaven will be at the Smithsonian Associates presentation coming up here very quickly. We'll have detailed notes uh, about Admiral McRaven's presentation, as well as links to where you can find out more about The Hero Code. Admiral McRaven, let's talk a little bit about leadership. So 10 years after the raid, what are the leadership takeaways from that operation? Well, I think there are a number of of leadership takeaways. Uh, And the first one, of course, starts with the president of the United States. So the expectation, I think, uh, of anybody uh, that is in a subordinate position uh, to a a great leader is that, you know, the leader will uh, provide you the resources, give you the latitude to do the job, let you do the job to the best of your ability. And, and at the end of the day, make the bold and, and, uh, and important decisions necessary for you to be successful. That was true with President Obama, and that was true with uh, Director Panetta. Uh, that was, uh, I, I hope that the tactical guys would think that that was true of me as well, because uh, I made sure that uh, the ground force commander uh, had the latitude to make up the tactical uh, uh, you know, scheme of maneuver on, on the ground. I didn't, I didn't second guess him. I didn't say which guy's going right, which guy's going left, how many guys you're going to have here. Every leader understands that you want to empower the people below. You, you, gotta, you have to make sure that you give them the right direction, uh, that they understand what the expectations are. But at the end of the day, you've also got to give them the latitude to do the job. And that was certainly, I think, a big takeaway from me uh, from the standpoint of the bin Laden raid. Mm-hmm. And as historic as the bin Laden raid was and certainly is history making in your new book, The Hero Code, which is getting rave reviews, you remind all of us to be heroes and to take one step forward at a time. Be the hero we need you to be, you say in the book, live the hero code. But it's a choice we make. So maybe outline a couple of the superpowers in the book that each of us might choose to employ in our lives. Yeah, you know, Paul, I, I opened the book by talking about uh, when I was a, a young boy and, um, and we had just returned from France and arrived in New York City. And in France, I had no television, so I read comic books. And of course, my favorite comic book was Superman. And this was 1963, and we arrived in New York City. And my father was taking me out uh, for you know a, a tour of New York City, and we were going to go to the Empire State Building and the World's Fair. And, of course, I kept kind of looking up as we're making our way through the skyscrapers. And, and eventually my dad says, uh, son, what are, you, what are you looking for? And, frankly, I was a little embarrassed to tell him. And he kept prodding, and I kept being embarrassed. And finally he said, he said what, what are you looking for? And I said, well, Dad, you know, this is, you know, this is New York City. It's Metropolis. And so I was kind of hoping that maybe I could catch a glimpse of Superman. And my dad turned, and there was a, a New York policeman standing on the corner and he said to me, son, that's the man that protects New York City. And as I say in the book, if you can have an epiphany when you're eight years old, I think that was my epiphany. It was a realization that, yeah, there are, there are great comic book heroes out there. And, and they actually teach us, I think, some, some good values. But the real heroes are the policemen and the firefighters and the soldiers and the teachers and the parents and the, the first responders and the healthcare workers and everybody that goes out and does their job and has these noble qualities. It was interesting. When I started to write the book, the first thing I did was to look up the definition of hero. 
And normally, you know, you look up these definitions in, in Webster's or someplace and you go, yeah, it's not exactly what I, I was expecting. But this one I thought was spot on. It said, a hero is someone we admire for their noble qualities. And I love that term, their noble qualities. So the book really is about these noble qualities. It's about these, these traits, these values, uh, these qualities that we see in our heroes, courage, and perseverance and, and humility and a sense of humor and a sense of duty and, and also a sense of forgiveness. So uh, the book has these chapters on people that I've met in my, in my life or been exposed to and, and, uh, and encountered in some way and the, the heroism that I thought that they displayed that we can all learn from. Because to your point, Paul, we can all be heroes uh, and it helps to have those folks that have gone before us to kind of show us the way. You read a bit from the book and uh, from the title on duty. Your, many of your titles are uh, just in, in a very, very direct. One that stood out to me was Perseverance. And, and I'm 64. Uh, I think hanging around, being actively engaged, persevering, I think that's one of the things that just jumps out as me is live daily, but live by you know, using our own lives as examples to others. Yeah, the, I think you're exactly right. You know, the, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, it is a little bit of the SEAL motto. Uh, you know, people always ask me about what does it take to get through Navy SEAL training? And, uh, and, and the young kids think that it's, well, I, I've got to be a, a great runner or I've got to be able to do, you know, 30 pull-ups or I've got to be able to do, you know, 100 push-ups. And, uh, and I say, you know, all those are important, but that's not what gets you through SEAL training. It's simple. You just don't quit. And, uh, and a lot of times they'll go, oh, no, 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 sir, I understand that. I said, no, maybe you don't. Uh, because if you think it's going to be easy, it's not. And that's what, that's what life is about. I mean, life, so much of it is about pursuing your dreams and just not giving up on them. And of course, I, I tell the story in the book about Dr. Jim Allison, uh, who was this uh, great uh, and uh, eclectic, if you will, um, researcher uh, from Texas who for 30 years tried to develop this, uh, this therapy, this immunotherapy, to use your body to fight cancer. And people at the time thought uh, Dr. Allison was, was crazy, that, that this was kind of voodoo science. And of course, 30 years later, his science turns out to be exactly what we needed, and he revolutionizes uh, the fight against cancer and is the recipient of the Nobel Prize. But he talks a lot uh, about persevering, about you know just kind of hanging in there and not giving up on what you believe to be, again, good and honest and noble. And, and, and that's an important quality for any hero. Well, to our audience of older adults, what would you offer uh, to us about delivering some of these values to, to grandchildren as, as well as our children? Well, it, it all comes, I think, from the examples that we set. And I, I, was, I was blessed to be raised by two great parents, uh, you know, uh, uh, both of the, the greatest generation, the World War II generation. I mean, these are folks that uh, you know grew up as children of World War I and the Great Depression. All the men went off to war in World War II, uh, and they came back and they, they rebuilt America. And they believed uh, in these qualities. And they weren't perfect, and they struggled at times, uh, like everybody does. But growing up, uh, my mother uh, read me a lot of poetry and, and read me books about values uh, and, and talked about you know, some of the, uh, you know, the great uh, stories of, of America and the world. 
And my father uh, set the example for me. He was a man of great character and integrity and, and instilled in me, as my mother did, these values of honesty uh, and hard work uh, and a sense of duty and compassion. And so I, I do think it starts with our parents, our guardians, our teachers, our coaches, all of those that have an opportunity to interact with the young men and women that we are raising in this country or around the world uh, and realize that you know the example you set, the stories you tell, uh, how you comport yourself around other people is what will teach them how to be uh, the heroes we need them to be in the years to come. Admiral McRaven, you believe in many important causes of our day. In fact, that black lives do matter, that there are perils that come from climate change, and you believe in social justice as well as many other causes. You've been criticized a bit for this, but you believe that you're doing the right thing. So I wonder, is this your way of living the hero code? Because it very much seems to be in keeping with your statement in the book that life is a constant assessment of where you are and how much better you can be. Paul, it goes back to your previous question about, you know, where do you learn the values, these noble qualities? And, and for me, as I said, it, it really kind of started with my parents. And when I was about uh, 13 years old, I think my mother framed uh, a, a local uh, poet, uh, it was called Verse Nook, and the poet was C.W. Miller. And she framed this for me and she said, you know, I want you to kind of carry this with you uh, for the rest of your life. And the poem was called, You Know His Stand. And it's, I won't read the whole thing, but it's important. It says, you always knew just where he stood and why he thought that way. And if by chance he stood alone, he'd stand, let come what may. He'd never pussyfoot around, back down, or once evade. He'd stay with what he thought was right, though friends thought to dissuade. And at the end of it, it says, but always friends and foes alike would know just where he stood. And even those that disagreed would say he sought man's good. This is the kind of man who makes our country great and strong. They firmly stand for what they think. They're mostly right, not wrong. And for some reason, I've, I've carried that poem with me because, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, children should want to make their parents proud. And yeah, I have, I have stood up for a lot of causes uh, in the last couple of years, and I'll continue to do that. Uh, and if, yes, of course, if you're going to stand up for something, you're going to get criticized. But you also have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, am I doing the right thing? Do I think I'm doing the right thing? And if you can do that, then, uh, then maybe you can be uh, the person that your, your parents and your guardians or your friends uh, expect you to be. It's so impressive that you still have that poem there with you to this day. What a what a wonderful son and and speaks of your character and your integrity. It's hard to hard to get away from the influence of a mom. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Admiral McRaven, thank you so much for your time today, for your generous time. We know how busy you are. What a pleasure it's been to talk with you. We're looking forward to the Smithsonian Associates presentation. We will put details. Uh, about the presentation in our notes today, but thank you so much for all that you do for the example that you're setting and for your great character and integrity. Paul, thank you very much. I've enjoyed speaking with you. My thanks to author Admiral William McRaven and his service to our country, his knowledge and expertise on leadership. Enjoy his new book, The Hero Code. Admiral McRaven will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates June 7th, 2021, and more details can be found in the show notes today on our website. My thanks to the Smithsonian Associates team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>